Hi, I'm Peggy. And I'm Dave. And this is Amped. Hey, Dave, how are you today? I am wonderful, Peggy. And you? I am hot. I am, I am visiting my, my mother-in-law in Ohio, and I've come to the realization that I may be spoiled, but I need my air conditioning. And uh, it's really, really hot without air conditioning. And I'm just not made, I'm not made to rough it like this. How hot is it in the house? It's 103 in the house and it's 95 outside. That's not acceptable. I know. (laughs) I know. Not acceptable. And that's what my kids are telling me too. But you know, yeah, so we're, 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 yeah, living with the hardships like pioneers and, and muddling through, but oh my goodness. I'm not made. I'm not made for this. So, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Enjoying the nice, cool air conditioning. I'm afraid to say that, but yes. Talk to me about it. How cool is it, Dave? <laughs> not only do I have the air conditioning on in my house, but in my bedroom where I'm recording this, I have the ceiling fan on as well, lightly circulating that cold air back <laughs> towards me. So. Yeah, I'm um, jealous now. I'm very sorry. Yeah. It's all right. It's all right. Very I, sorry. I will survive. I have survived worse, which kind of leads into to the topic of today's podcast, um, because I had an experience last week that I thought might be interesting to kind of delve into a little bit, and it's about how we handled it when one of our worst post-amputation fears comes true. Yeah, this is a great topic, um, and also anxiety invoking for me as I was thinking about it. But yeah, so um, I think it's me- a really smart topic to focus on. So you know, I'll start by saying I've really tried to not have my amputation hold me back from things, and I, like many people who find themselves living with limb loss, um, I probably went a little too far the other way and did things that. I normally wouldn't have done when I had both legs just to kind of prove that I could, right? I didn't want to be classified as disabled or handicapped or, you know, I had that kind of nothing's going to hold me back, watch me, you know, parasail, watch me, you know, run a 5K or whatever. Things that truly I, I, I had no interest in really doing before I became an amputee and I really don't want to do again. Right. Um, so I did go through that, but there are some things that that really kind of stuck with me. And one of them was um, I used to always love to ride the bicycle, loved it. It took me, and I'm embarrassed to admit, it took me probably 10, no, about 12 years post-amputation for me to even get back onto a bicycle again. Because every time I even thought about getting onto a bike, the fear of falling with a prosthesis and, um, you know, not, not having that level of control just absolutely kept me from doing whatever I wanted to do. Um, so I didn't ride for a really, really long time. So, uh, how did you grapple with this? I mean, what was the, as you thought about this, and dealt with this fear. What was um, what was your process in maybe trying to get back towards doing that? And how did you talk yourself through it? 
So I, my kids, in in short, it was my kids. They both love riding their bikes. And I didn't want to, again, I didn't want to tell them that mommy couldn't do it because mommy was afraid, right? Because as a parent, you kind of step up and you try to teach your kids to not be afraid and to still try things. So I got on the bike probably about four years ago. Um, I'm still a very timid rider. I'm a strong rider. I can go long distances. Just don't expect me to do turns fast and don't expect me to have a conversation when I'm riding. Um, because I had this horrible fear of falling, which right before we left for my mother-in-law's house happened. Um, and I had that moment where I knew I was losing control of the bike. I went to put my foot down to stop and go up on my tippy toes. And I went down on my prosthetic side and I couldn't get my toes down to, to stop the bike from falling. And I just completely wiped out. Um, and I survived, which is good, right? So that's that's the good thing. Um, <laughs> if, if that's the bar, yes, that's fabulous. I, but but in a way, it was. I mean, it was very scary. But in a weird way, Dave, I found it kind of liberating because my worst case scenario on the bike was falling with my prosthesis, and I did, and it hurt. But I managed to get back up, get my leg back on, and still ride home. So I feel kind of vindicated. That, that I survived it. And I kind of tackled one of my biggest fears post-amputation. Um, and, you know, I still came through the other side. Now, oddly enough, though, it completely took my prosthesis off. I mean, my leg came off, my liner came off. So I'm not quite sure. Quite <laughs> Obviously, there's an issue with my suspension system that that happened. Um, but yeah, I survived. So that's my that's my overcoming fear story. And what was the reaction of uh, those near and dear to you? Okay, so I was riding with my five-year-old, who was most unhelpful <laughs> in a crisis. And I told him to ride home and go get Robbie, who is my other son, who was home at the time. Um, so my five-year-old heard ride home, but apparently go get Robbie sounded a lot like get a popsicle. So he rode home, got a popsicle and then rode back to give it to me. <laughs> not wait, not the help you were looking for. Not the help I was looking for. But in the meantime, I managed to crawl over to my bike and get my cell phone and I called Robbie. So as Timmy was coming back with my popsicle, Robbie was, was coming to help me. So Timmy wasn't traumatized at all by this. No, not at all. Not even, not even a little bit. How about Robbie? What was his reaction? Um, he was worried, but Robbie of the two boys is definitely my worrier. Um, he, you know, he lifted my bike off. He got my leg. He was very concerned about how to get the gravel out of the liner and, and help me get up and then, um, you know, help me home and got me an ice pack, even though I didn't really need it. Um, but I took it anyway. You know, because that's sweet. Yeah, yeah. So, and Timmy ate his ate his popsicle. But then well, that you know, later to each that their night, own. yeah. Well, later that night, I felt myself getting really anxious about what had happened in retrospect. 
But I was proud of myself, Dave, because I, I got back on the bike that same day because I was really afraid if I didn't, that my anxiety was only going to get worse and the, the incident was going to become greater in my head than what it really was. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the moral of the story, right? It's it's the things we fear the most probably aren't the, as bad as we think they are going to be. And when you face them, uh, they they occur, and then you just get right back up and tackle it again. Um, there's a real feeling of empowerment from that, yeah? There is. There is. I mean, I still don't want to fall again. You know, and I'm still going to be a very cautious rider, but I no longer feel like it's the worst case scenario because it's certainly not, you know, um, it hurts and you temporarily lose control and you get banged up, but I was okay and I'll be okay again. And what I get out of riding with my kids far exceeds, you know, the what could happen. Sure, sure. That's a very happy tale in the end. I'm glad that you weren't hurt. Yes, yes. So what about you? What what has been your fear? So I thought about this long and hard. And when you first suggested this topic to me, my immediate reaction was, that's a great topic. I'm not going to have anything to talk about because I um, sublimate all of this stuff, <laughs> pretend <laughs> that none of it matters and I'm not really scared of anything. And the more I thought about it, the more I kept coming back to for me, it's not a specific, it's not like a f- specific physical activity that freaks me out. It's it's losing face in public because of my prosthesis. And specifically, it's falling in public Okay. while wearing my prosthesis. That has always been kind of the bugaboo for me. I've never, I, I've talked about on many podcasts, not wanting to, you know, wanting to mask the fact, especially when I'm wearing pants that I'm an amputee and when people spot it and say, what's wrong? You know, did you hurt your knee? I get really pissed off at myself because it means I probably wasn't disciplined enough and paying attention enough to my gait to mask it. But the, that that's just annoying. What scares me and what makes me really anxious is falling in public. And, um, you know, this has happened to me before, obviously. Amputees all fall at one time or another. Um, and there are two specific instances of it that I'm going to talk about. Um, one was I was, um, when I was much younger, I'd probably been an amputee for about five or six years. And I was walking through a courthouse in Brooklyn where I worked. Um, you know, I, I worked at a law firm and I was in court, uh, in the courthouse for um, some conferences I had to be at. And I was walking through like the main hallway and I just fell. And I was on the ground before I even knew what had happened. And a woman who was there, probably for jury duty, um, just saw me fall and started laughing. And she she didn't know I was an amputee. She didn't know anything. But I just remember picking myself up and feeling so embarrassed. And, you know, maybe she thought I was drunk. Maybe she thought I was just you know, whatever. But I just remember being so mortified and upset. But that's not the worst one. The worst one for me was I was actually attending um, a a um, Hill Day for the American Orthotic and Prosthetic Association. And I was walking across Capitol Hill and the group I was with was a group of prosthetists. So I was with like five prosthetists and I was... <laughs> 
stupidly looking at my cell phone, typing something while walking, and I just caught my foot and went down. Oh, okay. So now I have fallen. Right. All of the prosthetists at the beginning were asking me what knee am I wearing because I wear a, a powered prosthetic knee that makes noise. So they all know I'm on sort of the highest tech knee out there. Now I have fallen on the highest tech knee. Um, I'm, I've got all these visits still with legislators. I've ripped my pants. I've cut my hand, so I'm bleeding everywhere. Oh, no. And I'm just like, you can't make this up. Like I, And it was all my fault, and I was humiliated, and it was stupid, and it was totally preventable. And I kind of tried to laugh it off and joked about it. But, you know, for the rest of that day, I'm just in my own head, sort of only halfway engaged with anybody, because all I'm thinking about is, you dumb ass, if you would just, you know, paid attention to what you were doing and showed a little bit of discipline, uh, you wouldn't have, you know, done this to yourself and um, sort of shown this weakness. And for me, that's a huge deal. Like just the, the, I have built most of my rehab around this false aura of invincibility that I've created for myself. And I would agree with that. Yeah. And I've, I've held myself out to my kids as, you know, I, I can do anything. I can keep up with you and, um, no excuses. And, you know, uh, you know, maybe I may go over the line and try to be extra tough and prove things. My wife is always yelling at me. Why are you doing X, Y, and Z when we have two teenage sons who could be doing it? It's like, cause I can do it. Exactly. And, I, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm like proving the point. Um, so when this happens, it like goes to the core of everything that I have tried to fabricate for myself um, since becoming an amputee. And on the one hand, I certainly don't enjoy it when it's happened before. On the other, I think it's really important because the reality is there are limitations. I'm not perfect. And um, I think it's, I think it's a good thing for me every so often to, to have that kind of shot across the bow um, to remind myself that I can think whatever I want to think and I can fashion this personality that I want to fashion, but ultimately, um, you know, I can't control all of this stuff and not always being in control and being able to rebound from that and get up and just keep going is really the most important learning from it. It's not a fun lesson though. It's, you know, nobody, nobody wants to be reminded that like you're human. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is really annoying right. I have you to know tell I you. mean we're part but, robots I mean, it's, so we yeah I mean I don't know it's it's a weird way to live if you think about it I mean if you think about the fact that we have every excuse in the world to know that there are there are these types I don't even want to call them limitations but they're just these realities that um there are physical things that will happen to us because we wear prostheses um, that won't happen to people normally with two limbs. Um, the The desire to ignore that reality is really weird if you sit and look at it objectively. Like in the moment, it all makes sense to me. But when I really step back, it's like, oh, this is also stupid. Yeah, I, yeah, but human. I mean, it's... It's hard when you're in the moment and you're living it and they're your fears and they're your, your situations. And 
you know, I'm mortified for you that that woman, you know, laughed at you. So I'd like to think that she was well, there being and, charged you know. or something instead of being a juror. So maybe she's in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? You know, it, it, it was clear that she was probably, you know, not. Um, she didn't come from a place probably just judging by her appearance and demeanor and everything else. I'm guessing there wasn't a lot of love in her life and understanding right. and kindness. So, you know, it's, it's hard to take it too personally. Yeah, it, it is. It's the calling out of it, right? It's the public calling out of what you already know is an issue. That's so, uh, so mind bending. But yeah, that's with that hard. being said, with that being said, you know, you, you get back up and you, you get on with your life and, I guess one of the the other way to think about this, Peggy, from my perspective, is it's a really good lesson in the stuff that freaks us out the most, the the neuroses we have, the emotions we have. Everything is temporary, right? I mean, the anger we have in one moment is gone and replaced by sadness, which is replaced by happiness an hour later. And it's like, you don't even know where it all goes. But yeah, all of this stuff is so changeable all the time. And we we wrap ourselves up in the fear and the anxiety and the reality is when it happens and you get past it, you know, a few hours later at most it's over, it's gone. And you spend all this time worrying about something that is going to inevitably going to happen and that isn't going to be there afterwards for very long anyway. And is that really worth it? And that's so true. I spent a decade not riding my bike, not doing something that I loved because of the fear of what would happen in a few minutes. You know, when my dad was was dying, I remember the one thing that he told me was, you know, everything just comes down to a memory. Don't let things hold you back because no matter how bad something is in the moment or how fearful you are of something or how insurmountable something feels in the end, when you look back, it's all just the same memory. Yeah. So that's what I try to hold on to. And I think that that's applicable here as well. Yeah. That's a that's a very wise, a very wise and insightful way to to look at it. I think. So in December, when we're recording, and I complain about being cold, I can have the memory of being holed up in a small bedroom, you know, sweating my eyebrows off doing this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I would encourage you to. Got to got to try to make something positive out of this. Exactly. All right. This was a fun one. I'm glad we talked about it. I think, you know, everybody has fears. Everybody has those, those little things that are just hard to get over. And, you know, I think the conclusion that we can come to, Dave, is that, you know, chances are if you're fearful that something's really going to happen when you try, it might happen. Um, but you, you get up and you keep moving and it's never really as bad as your fear has built it up to be. Yeah. And maybe even, maybe even the moral is lean into it a little bit and confront it directly because it's rarely going to be as bad as you thought it was. Yeah. I spent a lot of years looking at my bike in the garage, not getting on it. So yeah, I'm glad I got back up on it. Well, great topic, Peggy. All right, Dave. Enjoy your cool air conditioning. Thank and, you. I will. Um, you know, I'm hoping that being in the sauna for the next week uh, will at least, you know, maybe have an impact on my waistline. So maybe there'll be a positive out of this. I can sweat it all out somehow. Yeah. Well, that listen, 
take it from the perspective of glass should be half full. Exactly. I'll work on that. All right. Great talking to you. Bye. Bye.